right, give me one second. I always want to set it up beforehand, but it times out. <laughs> so I'm going to start over again. So good morning, everyone. So good to see you this blustery, almost spring day. <laughs> Hopefully it's going to be here soon. It was pretty, though. I really do love watching all of that snow be whipped around in the wind. I just don't want to be in it. But I like to look at it through the window. Um, which worked out really well yesterday. So I'm going to pray again. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this worship. We thank you that you are inviting us um, every, every time we come in your presence, just this, this opportunity to stretch, to grow, to interact with you, to give more of ourselves to you, to receive more of who you are. Lord, we, we want to be changed. Um, Lord, we just pray that... Um, Yes, as Ali prayed, I just agree, Lord. Would you just let um, your words come through? And anything that's not of you, let it fall to the ground. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, um, I have, uh, I've been praying, as, as we all do, about what we're going to be teaching, because we want to be in the flow of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I think it's going to be really timely because of, um, you know, I think it's interesting because this is the first year that we've really broken away, like as long as we're doing uh, a Passover thing, it's generally been more of a, like David just described, a Seder format. Um, but this is this is moving into, you know, a prayer and worship um, event, which I'm super excited about. And I am, uh, I pray that what I'm going to talk about today will kind of um, um, help you know, fuel into that. One, um, recently, you know, there's been a lot going on in the news with Israel, and I know Tom talks a lot about this, and so I'm I'm not really going to get into any of the news kind of part of what's going on, you know, um, with Israel, but I think we all know that um, it's pretty topsy-turvy politically, economically, um, religiously like just you know the the things going on with the with uh, geographically with the nations around like there's a lot happening in Israel right now would everybody agree with that and so what i really felt like the lord was was leading me to do is he's talking to me about Israel and we are part of a culture here where this is one of our values and we 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 think so much about um the importance of praying for Israel that for Almost now seven years, there has been at least one prayer set going weekly to to um, have consecrated time to be praying specifically for Israel as the Spirit leads. And um, there have been the, the kind family have really carried that torch 
for for this. I mean, it's momentous. The period of time, you know, like I said, almost seven years, and the in and during that time, there's been other persons too. You know, and there still is like right now, surrounded by Israel. Or there was a there was a stent where we were praying for the youth in Israel, and so just there's but there's always been something going on in terms of prayer, like fire on the altar for Israel. So this is something that is really important to us. But as I began to, as we're seeing more about Israel, and I'm in conversation with the Lord about this, about Israel, I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, am I, am I really in the flow of what is happening with Israel, Lord? Am I, am I lockstep with you in terms of what you're doing and the amount of my level of commitment in terms of praying for Israel. And so um, this is, I, I really felt like the Lord was saying to me, you know, there is, um, that it's time for me to, I don't know if you will, step up my game, <laughs> you know, related to Israel and regarding to my response. And so I was reevaluating my commitment to this vitally important part of God's heart and his plans to return. And so I was asking myself some questions, and I'm just going to invite you into that conversation as well. I'm, I'm not, um, I mean, I, I certainly will say that I do believe I have spent a good amount of time praying for, for Israel myself, and most of you have as well. You know, but I think God, God, is, um, God is doing something new. You know, we talked about this before that, um, you know, that Israel, looking at what's happening in Israel is like, keep, you know, those events prophetically are like a calendar. You know, I don't know if you guys have had the experience that I have had, but I, I have had that situation where my phone went off, an alarm went off, and it was like appointment in 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, appointment in 15 minutes. What the heck am I going to make it? You know, and I'm rushing around to try to get to this thing. And you know, over time, some of you like me, you're like, I need more than a 15-minute warning about something that's coming up, you know, and so, but you've all had that situation where you're scrambling around, you're like, oh, this fell off my radar, and um, you want to, you're like, you either make it by with crazy franticness and get there by some miracle, or you, you miss your appointment altogether, and you, you're like, oh my gosh, how did I do that? And you're so frustrated with yourself, Right. I'm sure this only happens to me, but I just say that because, you know, there's, there is a, um, there's an appointment book that God has too, and it has to do with prophecy and it has to do with what's going on with the nation of Israel. And we talk about this on a regular basis. I'm just kind of reminding us. And so with that in mind, I was asking myself this question, do I have God's heart for Israel so that I can pray effectively. Because if I asked you, should we pray for Israel? Everybody's going to say, yes, we should pray for Israel. And we have been praying for Israel so faithfully for years now. But the question that I wanted to ask myself and I'd ask you is that, do we have God's heart so that we can pray effectively for Israel? Um, it, you know, I'm I'm sure you're not indifferent towards Israel, and we're not prayerless, but we're just looking to find out, do I have God's heart? So my desire is to, um, was, has been, and still is, as I'm sure yours is, to grow in faithfulness towards those Jewish branches that we have been grafted into that same vine. So 
today I want to dive into what's probably going to be a review for ourselves about why we pray for Israel. In other words, what the Bible says about it. But I think a review is important. And I kind of do this often, but I think it's necessary. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this thing that you need to do that you're supposed to be doing that you know is good, but you don't do. Like, I should drink more water. I should eat less sugar. I should exercise. Right? I should journal. I should be more consistent. I should go to bed earlier. I should wake up earlier. Like, all these things, right? Like, we know all the things we should do. But we don't always do them, you know? And I know, like... Like, I'll use a sugar example. Like, if I want, if I know I'm just not being good in that area, I'm not super motivated, necessary to not, especially if we're having desserts after a worship and prayer event. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't really want to fast that day. But the thing is, is that if I watch a video about why sugar is bad for me, I, I, I've got fresh motivation, if you will. Does that make sense? It's like, I don't know, like buying an exercise outfit, maybe maybe it helps. You feel like you want to exercise more, something like that. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to, you're going to, I, I wanted to do this for myself and you get to come along for the ride. Lucky you. All right. So why do we intercede for Israel? Um, before we get into this, let me ask you all, why do we pray for Israel? Shout it out. Let me hear what are some of the reasons. Why do we pray? Okay. Because the Lord commands us to? Is that what you heard over here? Okay. That's a good reason. We should do what the Lord tells us to do. Amen. What else? Israel is the apple of his eye. All right. Awesome. What else? Our Savior came from there. That's right. Our Messiah is a Jewish man. Amen. What else? He's going to return there. So he's going to return to Jerusalem. And that's where he's setting up his new kingdom, right? That and above, right? What else? Because we're being joined together with him. Yes. Any others? Right? That's really good. That's really good. All right. So we're going to get into some of these today. Um, Lord willing, we're going to get through all those. So, um, I kind of talked about this idea of missing an appointment, and we don't want to miss appointment. It's not a good feeling, right? And if we were prepared, we wouldn't have. And so if I take that mild analogy that I just used about missing appointments and being ready and being prepared, fulfilled prophecy is serving as our alarm, alarm clock. And of where we're at in Israel's calendar, does it look like we're getting closer to the prophetic fulfillment of the return of Jesus? Sure. Absolutely. And, and obviously we can point to the most significant, most notable fulfillment of prophecy, which was Israel becoming a nation in one day in 1948. But there is, there's more things that are waiting to be fulfilled. But according to the scriptures, there's a bunch of those things that are like happening right now, right? Wars, rumors of wars, economic, uh, if, you know, uh, of shaking that's going on, political shaking. We talked about just some of these things. So we're called to be watchmen. This is the, um, the this is a familiar verse that most of us have heard. Isaiah 62, 6 through 7. I'm going to read from NLT. Oh, Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. As Andy just alluded to, 
um, Israel is, is still the apple of God's eye and his inheritance. Contrary to what some in the church say today, the church has not replaced Israel. And I have talked about this in a different message a year or two ago, probably a couple years ago, and that's really worth dialing into because it's super important to know that this is a subtle lie that is in places of the church. We are not Israel. We, we, we're, there are specific things that relate to Israel, um, and, and obviously we know that Romans 9 and 10 are very great places if you just read those chapters and it's it's I feel it's virtually impossible to read Isaiah I mean not Isaiah but Romans 9 and and 11 and not come away with the fact of realizing that okay no we have not replaced Israel fortunately because of their Jewish Messiah we've we've been invited into the same um, salvation that that is being offered to them so we talk about that often I'm not going to get into that but they're going to be restored. They are, um, Israel's rejection is not final. If they cont- it's, it's, as long as they don't continue in an unbelief, they're going to be restored back into a relationship with the Father. The love of the Father towards Israel is splattered throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. You just, when you look at it, you can't miss it. According to Zechariah 2.8, New Living Translation, after a period of glory, the Lord of heaven's army sent me against the nations who plundered you. For he said, anyone who harms you harms my most precious possession. Another way of saying my most precious possession, as Andy mentioned, is he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. The apple of my eye. Hundreds of years before that, Moses wrote a song giving the same praise, Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 11, King James Version. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So that's, that's all the way back in Deuteronomy. The Lord says, Israel is the apple of my eye. Like, he made her. He formed her. And that's the way he sees her. Psalms 148, 14 declares, And he has lifted up a horn for his people. Praise for all his glory, godly ones. Even the sons of Israel, a people near him. Did you catch that part? A people near him. Has Israel always been near him? Are they faithful? They always do what God says? No. <laughs> um, we, it's, but, but he's saying um, a people near me because, not because of their heart posture towards him, but why? Because his heart posture towards them. We, we could seriously teach the rest of the year on all the passages about how God loves Israel. It's it, to me, it's it's unfathomable how there can be a, this idea that the church has replaced Israel when God is a covenant-keeping God, and the Bible is, like I said, splattered with scriptures throughout Old and New that talk about how much He loves Israel. It is mixed in between plenty of verses about judgment, but that is a reflection of His love not his cutting them off. 
He chastens those he's loved because he wants to actually bring them back into this love relationship with him, not because he's trying to cut them off. So the first reason for praying for Israel is pretty obvious. God really loves her. He really does. So how can I connect and prioritize its importance? Um, Let's say you come to my house and um, you want to hang out with me, but you ignore and you pay no mind to my husband and my kids and my dog Roscoe and our two cats. You're just like, don't have any interest in anybody else. You're only interested in me. Like, is that going to affect our relationship? Yeah, it's going to affect our relationship, right? Because it's like, hey, I care about these people. Like, these, are, these people are the apple of my eye. And you're kind of like, you're, you're, you're dissing them. You don't even care. God really, the, our attitude towards the apple of his eye is so important. And so I want to pray with insight um, so that, because that eye is like that pupil, right, of his eye. So I want to pray for Israel with insight, meaning My insight is his sight, the way that he sees Israel. So, Lord, help us see Israel the way that you do with your emotions. Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Are we going to be blessed through Israel? Are we blessed apart from Israel? No, it's through Israel that we're blessed because, as Tim said, our Messiah as a Jewish man. So we want to have God's heart. Um, Psalms 102, 13 through 14. I'm going to read NL, uh, NIV. I'm mixing it all today. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. Who's who? Zion? Jerusalem? Israel, right? It's time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. You know, it's our nature to, um, to reject things that are broken or tore down, right? That's true. But God's servants, according to this passage in Psalms 102, 13 through 14, God's servants have a love that goes beyond human nature. They see the ruined city, and they're taking pleasure in her stones, They're showing favor to dust. I mean, when you look at Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Ezra and, you know, as they, and it just the elders, as they looked at the broken, you know, state of Jerusalem, like they were mourning over it. They, um, they felt emotion and care. And this is really what God wants for us right now too. Like he wants us to see what's happening in Israel as not physically broken down, but spiritually broken down so far away from the original heart of God. He wants us to be so grieved over it, like we're grieved over a lost son or a daughter, somebody that we care about that's hurting and suffering. Isaiah 62, 6 through 7, New King James Version. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. I know we've heard this verse before so many times. God is looking for watchmen, but he's not looking for dutiful 
servants. Those, he's not looking for somebody who's going to say, okay, well, I want to pray for Jerusalem because I'm going to be blessed. I have heard this come from the church, you know, like, hey, of course we want to pray for Israel because it says those who bless Israel are going to be blessed. Those who curse Israel are going to be cursed. Well, shoot, I don't want curses. I want blessings. Let me pray for Israel. But he's actually looking for us to have a love that, that inspires an extravagant response, not a dutiful response. He's looking, Lonnie's looking for me as his spouse to give him extravagant love, respect, and affection, not dutiful love, respect, and affection. Does that make sense? When you look at the phrase, I set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, it's because God loves and rejoices over Zion that he's going to protect them. He wants to have a watchman to, to look ahead. Even though they were conquered by the Babylonians, the day is coming. Because obviously when Isaiah wrote that, they had not yet been conquered by the Babylonians. But looking beyond that, he wants to make Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. And he knew that they actually needed to be conquered. They needed to be chastened and punished in order for them to actually come back and be aligned to his heart. So they could eventually walk in this reality that he's describing, that they would be a praise in all the earth. So watchmen have a constant duty. According to this passage, they shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, and again, I'm still reading from Isaiah 62, 6 through 7, kind of breaking it down a little bit. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Hebrew word watchman means um, someone who is spies out, one who watches, Sometimes watchmen were scouts that would look out to see if someone was approaching. Could be friends, could be enemies. Um, But the Bible also refers to watchmen in a spiritual sense, which we see in Ezekiel 33. So it's about praying for her discernment. God has appointed prophets as spiritual watchmen over the souls of his people. I just mentioned Ezekiel 33 Seven, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning to me. So what's implied here is hear the word I speak and give them warning for me, meaning the watchman is in conversation with the Father through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that what we're doing is praying for Israel is that it's a prophetic That's what's really great about, like, it's like combining, like, as we do a Seder, we're looking at the prophecy from of old. And this event here, it's it's like what we're moving into is, God, what are you saying about Israel now? And what are you calling for me as your watchman in, in my response? Is he calling me to be watchman, to be a watchman? And even in the New Testament, we know that all believers are called to watch and pray and be ready, right? It's a watchman is obviously not a critic, but it is somebody that's a prayer warrior. They are giving God no, quote unquote, no rest. It's like when you're giving God no rest, it's not like a negative thing. It's not like God's saying like, gosh, give me a break. You just always want to talk to me in prayer. I just want to rest from you. Instead, (laughs) he's like, give me no rest. I don't, I don't rest. I don't want you to rest in your prayer for Israel. Let's, you know, he's, 
He's looking at, like, he's inviting us into the same reality as he's like, I am interceding for her. Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding day and night for Israel. And he's like, he wants us to share this same posture about Israel with him. We want to be aligned to his heart that we would not keep silent for our prayers for Israel. And he doesn't want to be, it's implying he doesn't want us to leave him alone concerning Israel's deliverance. In other words, it would be like, well, you've got it. You know, let's just say there's something really, you know, incredibly important going on in Lonnie's life. He's got a really big struggle. And I, his wife, I am, I'm kind of like, well, you got it. You got it. You got this. All right. But I kind of like, but I'm going to be over here. I got some stuff going on over here. It's like, no, he's it's like, this is important to me. I don't want you to, I want you to be just as engaged as I am. He wants intercessors like Moses. Think about how Moses was having this conversation back and forth with God about how many lives is it going to take to spare Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He didn't rest, if you will. He just kept that conversation going on. He was wrestling like Jacob. Romans eleven thirteen through 15 says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. So here's Paul, right? He's the one who's specifically to Gentiles, not Jews, although he's a Jew. I magnify my ministry if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. He, he wanted to, like, by any means, if by any means, what's it going to take so that I can provoke them to jealousy? How radical does it have to be for me? How radical does it, I have to ask myself, how radical does it have to be for me to provoke Israel to jealousy? The people maybe that God's put in my life to pray for, that I, that I know, like Jewish people, maybe he's given me by the neighbor, maybe he's given you Jewish ministries, or, or maybe he's connected you with somebody in Israel um, online. Um, I just found another ministry that I've kind of connected with online related to Israel, like what, what's it going to take? Coming back to Psalms 102, 13 through 14, I'm going to read it in NLT this time. You will arise and have mercy on Jerusalem. And now it's time to pity her. Now it's time, now is the time you promise to help. For your people love every stone in her walls and cherish even the dust in her streets. It's a sacred land filled with his sacred covenant people. So, again, he's not looking for our dutiful intercession. Now, sometimes um, you may not feel like it, right? Do you always feel like praying for anything that you come here to pray for, right? I mean, we know this is not the case. So we don't say, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm not feeling it today. (laughs) No, we don't do that. Um, You know, but we also don't just you know, phone it in either. You know, we're just like, Lord, I I really need your heart. Um, We can ask for it. God will surprise us. Um, I've had this experience, and I'm sure that you have, where I've been overcome by emotion. Like, in the first couple of times it happened, I'm like, what, what, what's going on? Praying for somebody, and all of a sudden I'm like crying, crying, and I'm like, what's my deal? We're praying for this person and I'm breaking down here. (laughs) I'm I'm like all of a sudden 
the group prayer and somebody's looking at me like, you look okay, maybe we need to pray for you. And and obviously I know what's happening now. It just one time I was even convulsing, like I realizing what's happening is the Lord is giving me a burden for the person that I was praying for. Or that's certainly happened with the persecuted church where there's just this breakdown of emotion because it's like I'm feeling the weight of this this person or the situation that I'm praying for. And um this is this is more important than the words. This is the prayer. It's the moan, the groan, the cry. The words cannot express. But the Holy Spirit knows it, right? He wants us to keep... um, The only way to keep sustaining in this reality of ongoing prayers is to keep our hearts soft. And the heart soft issue may not be necessarily related to Israel. It might be a heart soft related to something else because where your heart condition is concerned, it could be something else that might be wrestling at keeping your heart soft. But it carries over into the other areas of our spiritual life as intercessors. So I think we all know life has a way of beating us up. But a healthy heart, whether it's physical or spiritual, has got to be a soft heart. What's a soft heart? What does a soft heart look like spiritually, guys? Movable, teachable, open, compassionate, right? A soft heart is required to pray for Israel. Um, If you don't have it right now, you just ask, and it will grow. And you come faithfully, and the Lord just, the Lord moves. He moves and grows the heart. I'm sure that um, some people would say, that's been my testimony. I've spent more time praying for the persecuted church than I have for Israel, as even though I've been to many prayer sets for Israel, but that's our, this, you know, our scheduled one that we've been praying for, for almost seven years. And what happens is that my testimony is that the more you pray for something in particular, anybody in particular, your heart grows soft for them. So I'm going to pray about that real quick before we move on. Lord, we want soft, contrite hearts. Would you align us to your spirit so that we can begin to feel what you feel over situations in Israel and the people of Israel, the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel? So because we want to, reflecting back on Isaiah 62, 6, we want to pray because God wants to establish Jerusalem and make her the praise of the earth. I think that came out as one of our answers. Oh, Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. So, It says, give him no rest until what's established? Jerusalem. Um, You notice he didn't say Washington, D.C., or Moscow, or Cairo. The Bible doesn't mention any other place. This is the only place. It's all about Jerusalem, right? So if we look at what's happening in Israel, we can see that it is far from the praise of the earth, right? Um, many places curse Jerusalem. They want to destroy it. And 
we don't want to, as people of God, looking at Israel being the apple of God's eye, we don't want to be naive and think that, um, you know, that Israel is just perfect. Um, there is a bunch of things that are happening right now in Israel and Jerusalem that um, we wouldn't agree with, that God doesn't agree with, and they are definitely not a praise. Um, but he doesn't call us to pray for Israel because the Jewish people are amazing uh, because they're doing everything right, um, because neither are we. But he calls us to pray because they are the nation that he chose and established to bring forth his redemptive plan for the entire world. So as I was kind of mentioning earlier, like the prayers, it's the kind family, almost seven years, praying for Israel, which is really miraculous. And I'm sure they could probably testify to you that it's not always been convenient or easy. You know, I know to get a family of four all around, like somebody get out of work, you know, and then hustle up some food, some grub, and then hurry up and turn around and get back here and, um, and do that for almost seven years. I mean, like, that's, seriously, that's miraculous. Um, you know, and I believe that some of us are going to hear God call us to step up our commitment to pray for Israel. There's never going to be like, I just think, I think about like, I had this thought when I was writing this about the kind family, you know, standing together, you know, in heaven, you know, and then just the, just the, the praise of heaven for this faithfulness that they just, because, you know, praying for Israel, as, as Thomas mentioned before, is like, it's can be a really tough prayer set to pray at. And I think it's really because the enemy wars against it. It's just, I mean, sometimes for me, I feel like I'm, all I'm thinking, Lord, is save them, <laughs> salvation of Israel. And then, I mean, when, I'm, when we're talking about the persecuted church or if I'm praying for the hearts of the children to the fathers and fathers to the children, I mean, I'm living this reality. I've got endless material to pray about where that's concerned, you know. But Israel, we're like, how many ways can you cook up? Save Israel, you know, and obviously it's, there's more to it than that, which is why I wanted to go into this thing and this, this topic in particular, but it, it takes a commitment and it's what this looks like is like, I'm just saying this because God may be calling you, us to intercede more for Israel. And we really want to hear what he has to say about what that looks like, because this is going to be a desire that's going to increase in all of the earth because there's because of that prophetic calendar. And so the spirit is moving in this area regarding praying for Israel, but so is the flesh. As we talk about often, where the spirit moves, the flesh is moving. So I just want to remind us that it is vitally important that you can do a good thing, but if you lose track of what the Spirit is saying in the when and the how and the why and all of that, you can get out of his leadership, and that still is rebellion. So we have to, um, it's, it, this is an invitation for each of us to hear specifically, what is God saying to Light Up and to me about our role in interceding for, for Israel? It could 
mean that we're doing something that other people are doing. It could mean that God's saying, this is what I've called you to, and I want you to stay on this this race that and this path that I have you on. We, we've got to listen to him. We've got to hear what his voice is. It's vitally important, each one of us. And we can, we can tell, you know, like if we think like this connection is going on between me and the Lord and the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like the reason like the prophet's, test the prophets you know the whole idea of checking prophecy is that there should be continuity within a body of all of us seeking to hear what the lord is saying and we can't um we all have to be aligned to the head and so what would happen is that you know the arm and the foot and the ear and the you know the elbow like we should be if we're earnestly hearing the lord we're going to hear him lead us in that same direction does that make sense? All right. So um, coming back to distractions and challenges, as soon as you put your hand to the plow in this area, <laughs> distractions are going to come, interruptions to the schedule, things that are pulling us, or just even that invitation of like, oh, I'm tired. Let me just, I just need a break, right? We want to ask God to help our hearts stand firm in whatever he asks us to do. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would give us vision to hear what you're saying for Light Hop. What are you saying to each of us? What is your heart for Israel? How can we continue to stay aligned with what you're doing? In Jesus' name. Matthew 10, 42. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you surely will be rewarded. Well, that was kind of, when I was thinking about the, my picture of the kind family, think about that for a second. Like, And this isn't just about Israel. It could be other things that we're praying for, right? But I just think about the fact, here the Lord is saying, if you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of these, you're going to be rewarded. And I'm like, a cup of cold water? How about like weekly praying as God is inviting us to pray for, for the, the years that we've been doing it? I'm not trying to pat us on the back, but I am trying to say it is good to have that vision before us of don't we all want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. This is what we're running for. And he's going to tell us what that means because it isn't always what we think it means, right? But it's going to be rewarded, isn't it? What a blessing. Um, we're never going to regret a commitment that we make to intercede for Israel. So, yeah, it's going to be, might be more than a cup of water. So God desires to work through us. And this is something I think that was also said. God desires to work through us for Israel's salvation. We talked about how he wants us to have soft hearts, compassionate hearts. Hearts In Romans 9, Paul puts it this way. I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. Why was Paul sorrowful? He wanted the salvation of his brethren. Um, he goes on, I could wish that I myself were, were, were cursed for the sake of my brethren. Paul was willing to be separated from Christ so that his brethren might know this Messiah. 
Like, that's pretty intense. Like, I don't know if I would be willing to save my unsaved neighbor. Ah, oh, boy. Like, I pray over my neighborhood a lot as I'm walking my dog, Roscoe. But I'm not sure I would be saying, I would rather be cut off from you, God, so that all you neighbors of mine can know you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure right now my heart is not like that. Does that make sense? But that's, that's pretty significant. He was willing to make the sacrifice for Israel. This is the way the New Living Translation says it. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. That was the longing of his heart. Is this the longing of my heart for Israel to be saved? No. But I want it to be. That's why I'm talking about this. And that's why we're inviting ourselves to come into this reality, starting with myself. He had an incredible heart for them. I'm going to pray into this. Lord, we want to pray with burning hearts for Israel. We don't have the heart of Paul right now. I don't have the heart of Paul, but I want to have it. Lord, we repent of indifference towards your chosen people. Would you help help us to see them as our brothers and sisters, that your heart is longing towards we want to love the ones that you love. We want to take our place as watchmen on your wall that won't rest or keep silent day or night until you make Jerusalem a praise of the earth. We want to agree with you in heaven and remind you, Lord, of your promises towards Israel to make her praise to the nations. I'm going to take a look here to see if I'm going to be able to finish this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying not to go too long. Um, Oh, I'm not going to be able to. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you about where um, I'm going to let you know what we're going to continue on with when I talk next time. Um, I'm going to, we're going to talk about the fact that Israel's acceptance of Jesus is going to bring life. And what does that look like? If you look at Romans eleven fourteen through 15. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? We are praying, like Paul, for the Jews to recognize and accept their Messiah. The stone the builders rejected. So, Look at, look at the beginning part of verse 15, in case you're there with me. For if, and we're talking about Israel's rejection of Christ, is a reconciliation to the world. I mean, that's crazy, right? They rejected Christ because the Jewish people rejected Christ, according to Romans 11. Some branches were broken off. You know, in the ancient Jewish culture, what would happen is if that, like, something was not... that branch was not growing well. It just, it wasn't, they they cultivated, you know, Isaiah talks about this. He'd done everything for the tree, spent years fertilizing it, giving it all that that it needed, and yet it still isn't producing fruit. So they would take that branch off, they put a wild olive branch in its place and then graft that in. It's like sticking it in the tree. There's a whole process for doing that. That would be... So because branches were broken off, according to the Bible, not permanently, we, we got to be branched in. So Israel's rejection means you and I 
have heard the message of the Messiah. But he's like, if I've broken them off, don't you think I, God, can put them back in again? It's like, I can put them back in. They're, not gonna, it's, they're, not, they're only going to be broken off permanently if, if they stay in rejection. But if they don't reject me and they accept me, I can put that branch right back in. And if I put that branch right back in because the branch was removed, you all got saved. Salvation message has gone to the world. The hardening of Israel's heart has been in part so the fullness of the Gentiles can come in. But I, I can put Israel back in. And when I do, guess what that's going to be? Life from the dead. What does that look like? I think that looks like worldwide revival. But at the same time, it's going to be like the maturing of the wheat and the tares. It's going to be like all the things that we talk about. There's going to be the true and the false mixed together. But when Jewish people come forth and they say, guess what? The God of Isaac and Abraham, Jacob, that, that's actually Jesus, the Messiah. I mean, even now, if you ever look at, like, talk to Jewish people in the testimony, I mean, they've got, they've got an insight and an understanding that is beyond what we understand. So I'm going to continue talking about that part next week so that we don't go, um, we don't go too long. Because, um, um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to close this in prayer, and we're going to respond, and then we're also going to do some special praying here that I'm going to explain in a minute. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth about your people. We thank you that you have invited us to like, I don't know, I think about probably overly simplistic, Lord, but just like returning the favor, like not like it's a favor, their rejection of you, but we have, you, you made a way that we could come into the reality for the Jewish people. You, you originally planned for them to be a light unto the nations, to be the chosen family that you would bring your redemptive plan, but most of them rejected it. Most of them went their own way and did what was right in their own eyes, and so they did not fulfill their destiny that you made for them to be a light unto the nations, to be an example of a nation that was, that was ruled in, by, by you, by a theocracy that's ruled by you. And they, they failed at this, Lord Jesus, but it's still your plan that this would still happen, that you know how to work all things together for the good that Israel's rejection has resulted in the Gentiles being come in. And Lord, we see the prophetic timeline. Lord, we see that the fullness of times is coming to a close. And we know that according to your word, that all Israel, the Israel of God, will be saved. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to take our stand as watchmen in interceding for her and agreeing with you and all of heaven that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That we would be faithful, that we wouldn't be sleepy watchmen, that we wouldn't be indifferent watchmen, that we would remember this sanctified call that you've put on our lives to intercede for her, that we would know the importance of tearing the coming of your kingdom by standing in faithfulness that our brothers and sisters would have their eyes open that the veil would be removed from their eyes that your remnant in Israel would be faithful 
that they would receive you. And so, Lord Jesus, would you soften our hearts? Would you set us on fire for your people, Lord? Would you supernaturally come and give us this emotion, this love, this, this burden for your people, that they would seek you while there's time? that you'd bring them to the valley of decision and that they would choose you. Would you change our hearts in the process, Lord? Would you make us more like you? Would you cause us to be peacemakers in the earth, starting with Israel, reconciled to you? In Jesus' name. So we're going to respond um, to this message and then what we're going to do, we're going to give us ourselves some time to respond. And then what we would like to do is we would like to um, just as a congregation um, anoint Stephanie with oil and pray over her. And so um, we're going to we're going to respond for, for a bit and then we're going to move transition into, into praying for Stephanie um, for some ongoing stomach issues that we know that she's had for some period of time. We want to contend for healing for her. In Jesus' name, amen.